This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, I'm here with my good friend and confidant, the king of the red hair himself, the master of Southern Kentucky backpacking, Jeremiah Stringer. How are we tonight, my friend? Wow, we are energetic. We, we are. Have, you have the, uh, it looks like the coffee, ready to go in the Browns Cup, nonetheless. We had a good couple weeks, man. We had a good yeah. couple weeks. <laughs> I'm just okay. saying, like, like I know it's a backpacking podcast, but as a Browns fan who had to suffer through being a Browns fan for my entire life, it is exciting to be a Browns fan right now. So, <laughs> let me tell you a little something sad about the coffee. What's that, man, dude? I have uh, I had an eye doctor's appointment Friday, and there's something funky going on with one of my eyes, and uh, I got a, a follow up in six weeks. But he said between now and then, no stimulants, and I was like, what does that mean? He's like, no caffeine, no, no Sudafed, no nasal sprays. Nothing. Dude, and you eat Sudafed like candy. <laughs> no, I do not eat Sudafed. <laughs> I thought the coffee, bro. We're, we're going like to have people like now like sending us messages and saying things like, like, does Jeremiah have a problem? Do we need to uh, like step in for him? I've taken two Sudafeds this entire year. I don't, I don't think I have a problem with it. But I was sad about the coffee. Okay, check this out. Like, so who used to be a Jeremiah channel watcher versus John? Now we're all together. Like, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. If this is your first time watching the show, uh, we didn't actually have these on the Backpacking Podcast channel. They were on our personal channels because we were still building everything up, and we didn't have a lot of people subscribe to the channel. Long story short, we're now doing all of them on the Backpacking Podcast channel. We're almost... To a thousand subscribers, Jeremiah. We are. Everybody hit subscribe and smash the like button to say uh, thanks for not splitting everybody up from here on out. And if you if if saying smash the like button bothers you, just don't smash it. Just kind of politely <laughs> tap it. That's fine too. That'll work just as well. So, uh, but <laughs> we are excited about tonight because the last this last season has been unreal. Yes. Let's just talk through some of the guests we've had. We've had Shug Emery, Syntax seventy seven. We had, with Shug, we had Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir. We've had Julia Sheehan on here. Last week, we had Hunter's Trip. We mm-hmm. are we had Andrew Skirka on here, right? Yes. And now we're going to have a guy who makes Andrew Skirka look good. Basically, <laughs> a guy who, because he's such a good guy, he makes Andrew Skirka <laughs> worthwhile. And that is the man, Dan Durston. So welcome to the show, Dan. How are you? Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, great. Now we know that that Andrew is is famous and all that, and he was on National Geographic. But we know that his company that he runs, where he's he's taking people out on adventures, we know that it would fail if you weren't a part of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I've I've almost even been on one of the trips. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just use me as a marketing lure. It's like Dan's going to guide, and then. Slipped me out at the last minute and the old bait and switch. <laughs> yeah. Well, like last year it was canceled because of COVID. Oh, and yeah. even now, even now this year, I got pulled from the team again. Uh, just uh, uh, more COVID stuff. Canada uh, has Canada has a rule where you got to spend like a bunch of days in a hotel. Like you get back and then you got to sit in a hotel for up to 14 days. Oh, even if, even if you're vaccinated, even if you're all that stuff. So it's like, and you got to pay 500 bucks a night because they're like government pricing on these hotels. Yeah, I saw that actually. There's a few other countries that are doing that too, where if you come in, you have to stay in their government quarantine hotels and they're out the nose uh, expensive. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. And, but hopefully Sorry, one of these years they can get out there. Yeah. Okay. I, so so everybody's, everybody's cracking on us with the uh, smash the like button thing real uh, quick. <laughs> uh, we've got Justin Outdoors who said, I politely smashed it. Um, oh, thank you, Justin. He's a now, good Canadian. 
Yeah, he is, he, yeah, he is he a is. very good Canadian. Crap, now they have to replace the subscribe button because I crushed it. And um, <laughs> let's see. I just gave the subscribe button a quick tappity tap. That was awful nice of you, Huck. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I do want to put up here something that somebody posted just a second ago. Um, the best tent design ever. Oh, there it is. Since we got you on here, we might as well just go ahead and talk about the X-Mid tent because it's starting to pick up some traction. I'm hearing a lot more about it than what I was hearing a year ago. Yeah, it's been nuts. It was like just kind of started off as a fun little project. We were like maybe going to make a few hundred tents, and it kind of just like blew up. People were stoked. Um, And now it's like crazy. We thought we had a lot for this year, and they sold out. Like The two-person sold out in a few hours. So it's nuts. Now we're just like, sorry, we're sold out till fall. And everyone's like, it's hard to get more. Like the whole outdoor gear industry is just like backed up for like crazy. Yeah. Well, I think when COVID happened, um, everybody, uh, everybody just wanted to get outside because they knew they could do that. So yeah, um, you're getting a lot of comments here, man. We've got a lot of apparent X mid <laughs> owners on, on tonight. X mid uh, forever. Guys. Anything else? Never. That's a pretty big <laughs> statement right there. So there's a company mo- logo right there. Or mo- motto. Oh yeah, man. Okay. So I have to wow. ask the question. I, I, I kind of talked to you about this, but I said, I was going to grill you a little <laughs> bit on this because I need, I need to find out a little bit more about this guy right here on the screen. The X mid pro two person tent. <laughs> Um, I was hoping I could talk you into having one ready for me in the fall, and you said that's just not possible. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the tent and and what it is and what's going on with it? Cool. Uh, yeah, so this tent's my first time doing a tent like just me. I've always had Drop as a U.S. partner, which is like funding and figuring out stuff. So now this is like a lot more scary because it's like me putting up like my life savings basically into a tent, uh, just kind of going for it. But it, the X-Men Pro is going to be like, super geek like kind of the bleeding edge of ultralight so it's a single wall it's dcf everything about it's just like where the regular version is like trying to be like super capable and well-rounded and it is like the best choice for most people probably this is like for the geeks um so we're working on it now i actually get the first prototype tomorrow from the factory it's supposed to come today but anyways the lead times are crazy though in the outdoor gear industry like some of the factories are running over two years right now when you wow. order tents. So it's, yeah, it's like the whole outdoor gear industry kind of sandbagged the factories because when COVID hit, everyone panicked and like canceled their orders in like the first few months. And the factories were like sitting there doing nothing. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh my goodness, everyone wants to get outside. Like actually we want twice as many tents. Yeah. And so they just like crushed them with a the wave of orders. Mm-hmm. And now it's like so hard to get tents. So like that's why we're sold out so much. Yeah, but yeah. And you were saying beforehand, this thing's going to weigh less than a pound and a half, right? Yeah, it's going to be, I'm pretty sure, uh, don't want to <laughs> overpromise. Uh, like, it's all still kind of over tweaking stuff, so it's hard to say where it all shakes out. But it'll be hopefully under, like, hopefully more like 1.2, 1.3, but we'll kind of see how it how it all shakes out. Nice. So what? whenever you're thinking of these tent designs... And I, I read that your background is more in biology, but this is like from an engineering standpoint, what all has to go into to figuring all that out? Do you just cut fabric, piece it together? You draw up blueprints? You just have a, a thing in your mind? Yeah, it's, it's tricky because I don't have like the design background like a lot of people would. I start like big picture. I'm just like using a tent and I'm like, what would what would I like to be different? Like simpler or more headroom or like you're thinking about like from a user perspective, just what would make this a nicer product? And maybe you have an idea for that, like this should be like this or whatever. But then, and that was kind of where I got with the X-Men. I was like, I want this to be a rectangle so it pitches simple. I want like two poles for good headroom. I want them inside so there's no guidelines. And then I have to sleep on an angle because that's the only way it's going to work. And that's kind of, that's as far as my like thinking got. Mm. And then it was like, well, how do you actually make a tent? Cause like there's a billion other things between just like an idea and a product. So like everything from like patterning to materials to like how you do the seams. Like I was working with drop just as a total fluke because they gave me some hiking poles for the trip. And then they were like, Hey, we're looking for ideas. And I was like, I thought of an idea. 
Uh, so they were like, cool, let's do it. And then they're asking me all these questions like, what kind of seam do you want? And I'm like, like Googling like tent seams, best tent seams. <laughs> you know, that was like a couple of, I've learned so much since then. But like, you know, then they're like, what color? You're like, never thought about that. Like, just it's like constant. And then eventually you like work through a billion details and you actually get a product and you're like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. It was pretty cool when I got like the first prototype and you're like, it's actually like kind of how I pictured it being. You never know like if something's going to be weird until you like have one. Yeah. So I had previously just like, I can sew, but I'm not awesome. Like it takes me forever. So I just like duct tape one together out of Tyvek. Like not you'd use it just to kind of see how big it feels. Cause you can make a whole tent and it could look right on a computer. And then you realize it's actually kind of like a 70% as big as it should be a version or something where you're like, Oh, the, the numbers kind of looked right. And it's way too small or something. So I did the Tyvek just to kind of scope it out. That's pretty cool. Cause I remember when it, when I first saw it on drop, um, I was shocked. Like I was like, that is just really different. Like the whole design of it. Cause it, it actually plays with your eyes. Like when you see it, you're like, mm-hmm. no human being can, inside of that thing and, and then you open <laughs> then you open up the vestibule and you're like oh my gosh it's huge on the inside and uh yeah. just a really really cool design um where where i mean what made you think of, of designing in the way you did because it's definitely not it doesn't look like any other tent on the market yeah it came from like so i was using single pole pyramids like like mld dual mids and like all that kind of stuff like the single pole pyramids and I was like, these are so cool for how easy they are to use. It's like four stakes. And because the pole's inside, you can just extend it to pitch the tent. You don't have to like measure it and like figure out like weird angles. Everything's so intuitive on how you use it. But ultimately there's like one pole. So the headroom's not that good because there's only high in one spot and you can't sit there because the pole's there. Mm-hmm. And the pole's in the way of the doorways. And I was always like, I'm using two poles. There's got to be a way I can put the second one in sometime to like, somewhere to make it better to give me more headroom and things like that and i thought about that on the pct i was like how can i just like get a bit more headroom in this and i at the time i wasn't set on the second pole so i was always like what could we do like could we do like crazy struts like some tents have kind of an x struts up at the top or like all sorts of weird stuff but everything just kind of made it complicated and i was like yeah it's a bit of headroom but it's complicated and then finally when i got really set on the second pole i was like it's got to be a second pole because that's what I'm carrying. I don't want to add stuff that I don't have. And the second pole has got to be inside because, as I said, if it's at the edge, you need to, you have a flat wall for wind and you need a guy line. So if it's inside, you get that real easy pitch and it's simple. So I was like, how do I get two poles in a rectangle and still sleep in there? Because it's like, right. well, how do you sleep? And the only way you can do it is if you're on one angle and the two poles for a ridge line on the other. Yeah. So you just have like the two poles. That was the thing I noticed about the tent when I first saw it was that it was the only um the only uh hiking pole tent that I'd seen that you actually didn't have the the pole in the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is- it's just like trekking poles always I look at like some of the other ones that are out there that are real popular and it's always right in the middle of the door. Yeah. And every totally. time I see that, I'm like, I just don't want that tent because that looks annoying to me. Like I'm gonna yeah. want to get out in the middle of the night, and be half asleep and knock my whole tent down or something, you know? And yeah. and so I like I see this, I'm like, it's actually behind the back corner of the door. So it's actually out of the way as opposed to being right in the dead center where you're gonna get out. Yeah, that was kind of just lucky. Like I always the whole layout was like kind of for headroom and simplicity. And then all these other things, like the pole's not in the door, they just all kind of fell into place. And I was like, perfect like sweet so it's kind of weird getting one because i never like kind of drew the picture and like this is the tent i like kind of conceived like this is going to give me headroom and then you actually get it and you're like oh that's what it looks like like i obviously kind of sketch it out but you don't really know what it's like till you see it okay so we're supposed to ask you a question it says ask dan about his amazon order complaints of it not coming with poles (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah oh this is great so we have they they were for sale on Amazon recently and the listing says like the second line's like poles not included. Under the specs, it's like doesn't come with poles. Like if you need poles, go buy them here, that, that kind of stuff. And then we got this like uh review that's one star and it's like somebody really angry. They're like, mine didn't come with poles, like one star. 
<laughs> it was this is awesome review because it was even like like if you send me the polls i'll change my review um so they were kind of like negotiating like this is a flawed product you didn't have anything yeah, my uh, rating matters that much that if i don't give you five stars you will fail yeah and then uh, we actually how- got like two reviews like that we were kind of laughing about it oh this is on the uh Durston gearheads facebook group um so it's kind of been this joke that like the polls are always forgotten when like obviously the whole point of the tent is you're using it like balls that you already have nice. so how tall are you Did you get that, Dan? No. What's up? Uh, I was asking how tall you were. I am like the tiniest bit, just under six feet, like an eighth of an inch under. Okay, I'm I'm six foot three, mm-hmm. and I've been using on my ultralight trips or whatever you want to call them. I've been using the Lunar Solo by Six Moons Designs. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if you've seen that, but it's a single pole and it's got the high point in the middle. Yeah. And if I remember right, it is. One, two, three, four, five, six. I think it's six or seven stakes that you have to use. Now, yeah. How's that work with yours? Yeah. So that tent has a, like a, I think it's a hex. Like it's I don't. Know, it's kind of an asymmetrical six sided shape or something. So you need the six stakes or whatever whatever it is. Um, you don't have any guidelines, which is nice because the pole is still inside. Um, like that tent, like has. It has less headroom, but it has more floor area, mostly because there's only there's like mine has a vestibule on each side. And then that one's more like there's not a door in the back or a vestibule in the back. So then the floor fills that Um, kind of pros and cons to to either way. But that's a super popular tent for sure. Yeah, but sometimes like um, if if I especially if I don't use the pullouts to like either put a, a stick there with a Y in it. So mm-hmm. that it pulls it away from my head, I'll get some condensation. The single wall, like you said, I guess it's give and take with everything because yours is single wall too, right? So the, the regular X mid's a double, and then the okay. pro is going to be a single because that's that's what you got to do if you're if you want to be like as light as possible. Yeah, you. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be much heavier. Yeah, if you want to be taken seriously course. as a backpacker, that's what you have to do. That's that's yeah. what it is. If you want credibility. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I do have a weird question for you though, because I'm looking over here in the comments and I just see the same comment over and over again. I'm seeing Sage, 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 Sage. Come on, what Dan, dude. That? What is going on, Dan? What is this Sage thing? Oh, uh, the Sage. That is that's the color, the color of the x uh, that's, that's another one of those things that just like blew up. The uh we just picked the color. Like, so I when they were like, What color do you want to make your tent? And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I never thought about the color. Um, and I was like, well, I just spent like 30 minutes or something like Googling like colors. Apparently there's like this thing called Pantone, which is like official, yeah. official colors. Um, kind of. So anyways, you pick a few and then they send you dyed samples. And then you pick out of those like because you actually see what it looks like. Kind of a funny story there, too, is like they will send you, they dip it in like three different versions of the same thing it's like the same dye they do it like three times and they're like which one do you want and they all look exactly the same <laughs> and i'm like i'm like okay like i'm googling the factory i mean i'm emailing the factory and i'm like is there like a difference between like these three things that i have to choose between and they're like well the only way that you could like see a difference is if you have some like ten thousand dollar like n45 light or something and it's like backpackers don't hike with those. Like, I don't know, like why your company is like, I don't know. Anyways, it's a thing apparently. So I, uh, we did three colors and one was like this kind of hideous orange. And one was like this blue that I thought was going to be kind of nice, but it came out really just kind of weird. Like, I don't know, it came out weird. So it was like, the only thing we had left was this, like it's called sage or desert sage. And it's kind of, it's a cool green. I like it. And so it just kind of was like, that's the color of the tent. And then everybody, people love it. And like the fan club just kind of like dress up in like sage backpacks. Like it's just a running joke. You, know, you got you to gotta get everything sage if you're like a real fan. Like, so, so now all of your gear has to be sage or yeah. it just, it's just not really Dan Durston gear is what you're saying. 
Yeah, yeah. So now I like I don't know if I'm allowed to change the color of the tents. Um, <laughs> be like a riot. Hey, your wife wanted to apologize. She said if the internet connection cuts out again, it's my fault. Love you, Dan. Um, <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> it's awful nice of your That's wife awesome. to chime in there and let us know what was going on. So yeah. I was talking to John um, about all the different hats that you wear. And mm-hmm. I mentioned that I believe you have a background in biology. So mm-hmm. your day job isn't just tent designing. What all different hats do you wear and how do you, you manage your time effectively to, to actually execute those things? Yeah, my wife, was, my wife was just saying that I'm like a lot like um, Justin that you guys have had on the podcast mm-hmm. recently. She's like, yeah. he's a Canadian. He's from Ontario, moved to out west. He's a biologist. His wife's into nutrition. It's like they kind of have the same personality. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But yeah, I do. I do like fish and water biology for a day job. Um, it'd be cool to do just do the tents kind of at some point. Um, if I can kind of get my own, like if the pro goes well and I get kind of a couple more like that, it could be a it could be a job. Um, so I do that. And I'm, those two things are crazy because like full-time job and then kind of a full-time job. I get up and I do like, couple hours of email for like the tent stuff and then i go to work all day and then i do like a couple more hours of tent stuff and then so that's super busy and then on top of that i volunteer with the great divide trail association um because the great divide trail is awesome like everyone should check it out it's up the canadian rockies 700 miles and it's just like the trail itself is not always like amazing like it's a little rough in spots but the scenery is always like world class yeah, question about you and that trail. Now, you and your wife mm-hmm. did a yo-yo of that, right? Yeah. So explain that to people who don't understand what that means, because I'm sure there are people going, what the heck is a yo-yo? Yeah, so like in essence is when you hike it there and back. So we hiked the 700 miles north, and then we turned around and did the whole thing back again. And we did that, that was in 2017. Um, it hadn't been done, but it also it's not like, it's kind of like the first yo-yo, but it's also like pretty doable. Um, <laughs> that's actually kind of my kind of my general like thing like anything you see like Dan does that like sounds awesome it's like because he found something that sounds cool and like nobody's really tried hard yet like <laughs> like I set a speed record on this like 100 kilometer 60 mile traverse on the coast and it's like you know FKT holder yada 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 and then like some world class runner came out and did it like like I was like 20 hours and this guy was like 13 you're like yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't touch that. Wow. Like, um, but um, so we had hiked the PCT in 2014, and it was awesome because you're out there forever. Like, you're in great shape. It's just life. You're not thinking about the end of the trail because it's just like that is your life. And we love just being, like, fully immersed in, like, just this, that scene, that lifestyle. And so we wanted to do the Great Divide Trail, but we are like, 700 miles is kind of short. Like, we're just going to be getting into shape by the end of that. So we, we want, partly we wanted to do it just so it lasted longer, but also the hiking season shorter in the Rockies. So it's cool because you would get out there really early and the snow's still melting and you're still kind of pushing winter at the end. Um, we, we definitely could have hiked faster and like, like we started really early June 1st, which is like, we did a few, we probably did 200 miles on snow. And then we also finished and it was like a huge snowstorm at the end. But part of that was because we had like a month off for forest fire closures. Um, and we didn't really like book it that fast. Like if you wanted to, you could you could definitely fit it into like a, a more normal hiking season. Do but, you also, whenever you and your wife are like doing, she did the PCT as well? Yeah, she did. And then she hiked the Great Divide Trail again um, by herself, which is awesome. <laughs> so whenever you all are backpacking the same trail together at the same time, how much of it is at the same time? Do you all break off and do your own thing and meet up at camp? Or do you mostly kind of stick together? Or are you even separate some days? We're a super stick together. I don't think we're like, we don't always talk, like she'll podcast. But mm-hmm. we're always like, you know, 10 yards apart or something like that. And I don't. Did you ever? Sorry? Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I don't like actually listen to headphones at all on the trails. I just like kind of in my own head for better, for worse. Like <laughs> sometimes you get a tent idea and other times you're just thinking of the same thought for like eight hours. Okay. So that, that makes me want to ask you a question because I don't use headphones a lot when I'm backpacking either. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what horrible song have you got in your head and you couldn't get it out while you were on the trail? Um, <laughs> I had, I had the first time I did the Bob Marshall Wilderness Open, which is kind of a traverse, it's like a hundred miles, like two three days. I had this little iPod shuffle, and I was like, maybe I need some tunes. Like I've never really ground, grinded out like fifty miles a day before. Like I, I don't use headphones, but like maybe there'll be a time in this where I just really need it. And I just put like some like vintage like punk on it, like um, like some Goldfinger and some Blink and stuff. But I only put like twelve songs on it. <laughs> so, anyways, it was like the the third day, and I was like so injured, like not from a mishap, just like overuse injuries. Like my tendons were just shot. So I'm just like listening to this podcast and sorry the, these twelve songs. Um, there wasn't like a specific song, but I just remember it was just like the same kind of pop punk for like an entire day. <laughs> no more headphones. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That that's wow. great. I, I got, I was hiking the Sheltoe trace, which is about a 323 mile trail down here. Well, actually it's like 350 miles now, I think down here in Kentucky. Mm. But, um, I was hiking that and there was one day I got up, I started hiking in the song what's on your mind by information society came into my head. It's like from the eighties. That's a deep cut kind of song that a lot of people don't know, but that stupid song would not get out of my head. Yeah. (laughs) And I would try and think of other songs and it's stupid song just kept coming on. And there was just the whole time I I was ready to be done at the end of the day, not because I was tired of hiking, but because I was tired of thinking of that song. Yeah. Like I needed to find my buddy who I was hiking with, catch up to him and talk about something just so I didn't have to think about it anymore. Um, yeah here's a Did question oh, i don't I, I don't have headphones i usually don't take okay. them with me i i'm actually i've got a three and a four-year-old and everything is noise so um yeah. i love the quiet like i really love the quiet out in the woods and a lot of times if i'm hiking with a group i'll just let them go and i'll just hike by myself for a little while because it's very yeah. quiet and very peaceful and it's just really nice but uh here's a question for you this is a. Uh, I own your ultralight 40 liter pack collaboration with drop. What was your inspiration for the front pocket with shock cord versus a netted front? I'm curious about this too. Yeah. So the, the main reason there is that I've had a bunch of packs that have the, like the mesh stretchy mesh fronts and there, there's definitely some real perks to it. Like you just stuff anything in there. It's, you don't have to think about it. It just works. The problem with it is that it's always been on my packs. The first thing to go, Oh, like, I do have more bushwhacking and stuff, so it's kind of coming more from that side. But I always like, they just always end up shredded on my packs. And I'm like two, three years in on a pack, and it kind of, the pocket's useless. Like there's like six inch rips and stuff's getting away and that kind of stuff. So the shock cord is like kind of a piece of fabric that's like woven on. And then you can still stuff stuff in there, but you can easily change the shock cord if you ever broke it. And then actual material is like a heavier fabric. So you're basically never going to wreck it. Um, the downside being it's not quite as catch-all because little stuff can get out. So we have a little zipper pocket that you can put like little, little stuff in, but there are like some things that are like a little too big to fit in there that still might slip out. So it there's pros and cons to it, but it's way more durable. And you can take it off. So you could take it off and then put like ice axes on in the winter. Like you can kind of do other stuff with the daisy chains. So it's versatile and durable, but not quite as just mindless. Well, it's very unique because I remember when it first popped up on Drop, I was just kind of like, I, I just didn't know. I didn't have an opinion because I didn't know what to think of it because I'd never seen anybody do that before. So that was really interesting. I was always curious what was the what was the thinking behind that. It makes a lot of sense coming from a bushwhacking background. That's where yeah. you go with that. Yeah, and that's it's also like when you're coming out with a new product, you need to like have it be like kind of unique. Like if you already make backpacks forever, like, well, so kind of the backstory is like, everybody's like stoked about their favorite brands and all that kind of stuff. If I just came out with a pack that was like pretty normal and everything was just kind of standard, everyone would be like, Oh, it's, he's like copied this brand. He copied that brand. Like, so I think when you're new, there's a little more like, I need to like show some ideas here. And like, we did a lot of new stuff on that pack. Like I really like the side zipper pocket. It's you can't really explain it well or like see it in pictures well, but it's this like double wall pocket where it can like flip in the other way. So you put stuff in the top or in the side. But the main thing is that stuff that's too big to grab on the go, like 
like your hat or something. Like you're not going to put it in a hip belt pocket, but you could put it in the side zip. Um, so like wind shirts and mitts and all the big cameras, all that kind of stuff you can have on the go. Anyways, we tried a lot of new stuff on the pack and like some of it people love, some of it's a little more mixed. Yeah, that's pretty cool and though. That's pretty cool. You're, excuse me. I think that you're so right about the being different part. I, I say, and I get this from Think Media, mm-hmm. different is better than better. You know, if there's something that sets you apart, that's better. And I, where John and I do YouTube, and I mean, you have a YouTube channel too. We, we work with different companies and we get to try different gear and we're very fortunate. And I always find different stuff like, um, outdoor vitals. They put a zipper right down the middle of their shadow light. Mm-hmm. And then we've also worked with chicken tramper and their front pocket doesn't have any stretch to it. Hmm. My Osprey super stretchy on the front, but like you said, I'm like starting to obliterate the front side of it. And I think I bought it in 2018. Right. So it's got like massive tears, but the different, I think is so important. If there's anything that sets you apart like that, that is so much better. That's smart decision on the backpack, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We try. Yeah. I was going to say also, apparently you have good customer service. Tom Sapernowski says you also respond to his really dumb questions politely and practically immediately. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of questions. Some of them are good. Some are less good. I don't, I don't know. I don't know which Tom's at. Like, one thing that always amazes me is like, obviously, we don't want to get like a billion emails. So like, I do have my email, but it's not like on the front page of the website. So it's like, if you're trying to, but obviously, we do want people to buy the product because like we're selling products. So we we try to make it really easy to like find the product to buy, and a little bit harder to like find our emails. But the number of people that like email and are like, where do I buy your product? And I'm just like. How did you find my email without finding like <laughs> where you find something isn't working right there, man? Something's not working right. Yeah, there. I know, yeah. bro. Sometimes people they like comment on my videos, and I'm like, the question that you're asking is like the video right before this one. But you always try to be nice and respectful and understand everybody's at different stages. You know, they're learning that kind of stuff. Yeah, I had yeah, I had a question to ask you that uh, is coming from the comments. I don't know where it is, but it's basically about wildlife. And you mentioned bushwhacking, mm-hmm. so this could be bushwhacking or on any of your through hikes or any of your experiences. Have you had any wild animal encounters? Any uh, any dangerous things? Any just wacky things? <laughs> yeah, so the the Great Divide Trail is awesome for that because it's like it's legit wilderness like in the top the top 200 ish miles you might see nobody for like a week and wow so it's like it's still got like grizzlies and cougars and caribou and like all your big awesome animals are still there so we had um we so we had the whole great divide trail and we saw no no bears and then we turned around on the yo-yo and then all of a sudden like wildlife was everywhere so we were on, I think, the first day Sobo, and we were bushwhacking through willows because it's just like parts of it are just bushwhacking. And I was like broke through these willows, and there's just like this little like 20-foot clearing with like a grizzly like in it. And oh, you're just wow. like – And it, we were hiking like into the wind. So like even we were making some noise. We could have been making more. But it's a little hard. We've been out there for like two months, and you haven't seen the animals. You kind of fade out a little bit. But anyway, so you just like – break this clearing there's like a bear and you're just like Ooh. and like i remember just like holding these willows and like i should be grabbing my bear spray but like even just like processing it i was just kind of froze and the bear was like froze too it's just like looking up at me anyways <laughs> he ran off um and then like we had we saw another huge grizzly like two days later and then like five days later we camped up in the Alpine and right when the sun was rising above the hill, we were just cresting this hill and the sun was all in our eyes. We couldn't see anything. And there were these two like young grizzlies, like less than a year old, probably out just out for a run in the Alpine. And we like crest this hill right at the same time. These like me and T crest it right at the same time. These two ba- little bears crested on the other side. And we like, we met like six feet apart and all four of us were just like, Whoa, <laughs> and like me and T did that, and like the two little bears also. 
So anyways, yeah. they bolted. It was all good, but yeah, they're out there for sure. Well, Justin Outdoors, uh, the guy who you are exactly like, uh, is curious, um, are there any other long trails on the horizon for you guys? Yeah, like the CDT really needs to be done. Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to do the CDT. It's a little tricky with the tent stuff because I kind of need to be around. It's at that awkward point where it's like so much of my time, but not like I can really be like hiring employees and things like that to do it. So I'm hopeful that I can kind of like get it to a point in like maybe two years where I could do that. And I also would really like to try to set a speed record on the Great Divide Trail. Oh, wow. um, I feel like it's at that sweet spot, like what I was saying before, where like some people have done it to bring it to bring the time down to the point where it's interesting. But there hasn't been like a, a string bean or a skirka that is like absolutely crushed it. So it's like this is like this is my time to shine before before the bar is too high. There you go. There you go. So so you get to do it, but it's not as impressive as as it could be. Is what you're saying. Everyone will think it's impressive because they don't know it's possible yet. <laughs> and then once somebody else, they're like, oh, okay, dance time wasn't actually very good. Now, I, I have met <laughs> numerous people that do these speed records, and I hmm. met one on the long trail whenever I was through hiking it in Vermont. Mm-hmm. And I want you to convince me otherwise that these people are masochists. Oh, they just, it's terrible. They, it's, there's nothing fun about it. Please. We're sorry, me. Jason Wish. We're sorry you're our friend, but he's right. Yeah, there's not much fun about it, really. Um, why do it? I, I, the challenge, partly the challenge is interesting before the trip. You're like, like it adds a little zest to your life when you're like, oh my goodness, like, like I'm going to be, if I do it, I would be heading out on like a 200 mile section with like two and a half days of food or something. And you're like, is this a terrible idea? And no matter what, you're going to have some funny stories afterwards. Um, but other than like the first half day, you're probably all blistered up and just like hating it. Or like a good attitude, but you're suffering for sure. Well, here's here's a question kind of going along with that from Dan Fugate. How would you convince someone to give it a try when the appeal is you're going to hate your life for about three or four weeks afterwards. Yeah. So <laughs> hate, hate, it's sorry, probably, hate your toenails go for an FKT. <laughs> <laughs> the reason you would do it's probably irrational. So it's hard to like really convince someone. There's not like a lot of fame and glory and sponsorship dollars pouring in. But if you did have to make a rational, like here's seriously why you should do it. The reason would be that you learn so much about yourself and your gear. Like, I know that if I hike like 50 miles a day, I'm going to have to wash my IT bands or they're going to like inflame up and things like that. And then if I'm out on a hike and it's like a 25 mile day and there's like, I don't know, there's a problem. I know like, well, like if I needed to, I could get out of here. I could just like bear down because I've done it before. Um, so you can push your limits on like how little gear you carry. Like when I do the Bob open, sometimes I'll like, I'll just not bring a piece of gear that's kind of crucial. Um, like, okay, we won't bring a shelter. We'll bring a sleeping bag, but no shelter. And then I can only sleep if it's not raining. And I know from like previous experience that I can just keep hiking. And if it rains for three days, I'll just hike for three days and it's going to suck, but I know I can do it. What? That's insane. Like that is insane. Yeah. (laughs) So you learn a lot about like gear and your own personal limits. Cause right when you think like I'm spent, that's it. Like you're not even like half done. Like I don't know what done is because it just, it just hurts more and more, but you never like flat out break where you couldn't take another step. It just, it just becomes a mental game where you're like, can you keep putting one foot in front of the other? It's what's your pain tolerance. What can you take (laughs) until you die until you die? Yeah. Run yourself ragged. I kind of, Go ahead. I cut it pretty close though on the first Bob open. Like I took a wrong turn, destroyed my IT bands because at the time I didn't oh, know that no. they were an issue. So I ran yeah. six miles up the wrong trail and was like, oh my goodness, like this sucks. So I ran the six miles downhill and like roasted them. And then I woke up on the second day and they were like all seized up and inflamed. And when they inflame, they get tighter. So they're going to inflame more because it's tightness that causes the inflammation. And then the, it's a positive feedback cycle. 
a vicious spiral. So you're like, you're totally hooped. And I still had about 80 miles to go. And I told my wife, like, call search and rescue if I'm not out in four days. So then I'm like, oh, like, I got to do like 20 miles a day minimum or like she's going to call like search and rescue. And so I did like the second day and I tried to go easier and it was like, it was just getting worse. And so the third day I just like took all my like ibuprofen and I just like didn't stop. And I did 43 miles that day, but it was like so painful. And I was like so seized up that I couldn't walk properly for like two months. (laughs) I was, I did drive from Montana back to BC, which is like a 20 hour drive. And I was like, I'd have to pee because you're like on a road trip and like you drink coffee and stuff. But like, you're like, well, what if I if I stop to pee, I have to get out of the car, and that is like such a problem. Like, so I would just like I would just hold it and hold it, and then I finally got to this rest area, and I'm like, like yeah, I have to pee here. So I pull in, and I just have no idea how I'm going to get from the car to the bathroom because like I can't stand. And so I like I kind of work my way out the door, and I'm like leaning on the hood of the car, and there's just like ten feet to like the other door where I could kind of grab this and some old guy was there and he's just like, yeah, he ended up offering me his cane. He's like, do you need this cane? <laughs> and I was great. just like, man, I'm at a low here. <laughs> wow. That's so, awesome. That is is there awesome. nothing? Okay. I, know you, I know you toasted your IT bands on that, that trick, but I, is like, there an issue? Is there not, is there things that you can do to help like active recovery? There's a lot you can do. And like, that's one of the advantages of that with doing it is I like learned all those things. Like I, I learned the hard way, um, but you can do like stretches. And I know now that like, if that problem's going to start, it's on the first day when I'm like, not as like loosened up. Mm. So if I go too hard out of the gate and I can kind of nip that in the bud, if I take like, like want to leave on the first morning, if I'm going to push hard keeps things loosened up enough that the problem doesn't start and I do a little stretching and then it's never even an issue. But if you don't know those things and you just, yeah, you, you learn the hard way. I mean, maybe you don't need to learn what happens to your legs after 50 miles, but it's kind of interesting. (laughs) Well, so here's a question for you. Did you ever do the East coast trail in Newfoundland, Canada? I haven't, I'm not familiar with it. Okay, that was that. I I've never heard of that trail, so I was kind of curious what that was. Yeah, I if it's awesome. Know, um, Dan, do you know Jeff Garmeyer, legend? Uh, he's the guy that is he the guy with the tigers? Yeah, yes. he's the guy with the tigers. <laughs> <laughs> so we had him on a while back, and I follow him on Instagram. Keep up, and he was talking about, or he he was posting to his story. And he was doing this challenge. I can't remember what the name of it was. People can go check out his Instagram and look. But basically, he was backpacking for multiple days, no sleep. And he's talking about hallucinations. And, like, you know, Instagram, you can you can put a poll on there and people can ask mm-hmm. you questions and stuff. And they were, like, asking what his favorite hallucinations were and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, bro, he posted. I know, it's ridiculous. He posted pictures of his feet after it, and I can't. I think it's like 250 miles or something Mm -hmm. in a few days. It was ridiculous, and I want to know if you ever experienced anything like that. (laughs) Yes, yeah, he did that. I think Colorado Trail FKT like this year. He did, but this is something different. This is like just this last week, but he did the FKT on Colorado. Yeah, so my worst feet were like also in that first five open because I didn't learn yet how to take care of them. And so I would get blisters forming and I would like, I could tell they were forming because there's like a bulge under your foot and it's getting bigger all the time. And it's like a bubble where like as you squish it, you're just kind of punching it wider. Mm. So I ended up like now what I do is I snip it and then it and then it lets the fluid out so it doesn't build that pressure. But at the time, I was just like, I'm not going to stop because, like, if I stop for, like, 10 seconds, my knees would seize up so hard it would take, like, maybe, like, 10 minutes of excruciating. So I just, like, didn't stop, and you're hiking, and you feel these, like, bumps getting bigger and bigger. And then eventually you have that step where it's just, like, and you're just, like, and, like, the blister blows. And so I didn't look at my feet. I just did, like, this was day three. So I already had a ton of blisters on day one and then more on day two. And by day three, you're just, like, covered in them. And so I didn't take my socks off or look at my feet all day. I just like did it all. And then after I like 
look at my feet and like one of them, my entire pinky toe had become a blister like all the way around. And then when it, when it popped, it just the whole sleeve of the toe came off and it was just like, Oh, Oh, it was terrible. Uh, here's someone's got a, got an idea for you. I'll see what you think about this. Says Dan doing FKT with Gonex. Uh, have you ever heard of this company, Dan? Go next. Oh, I hear they make great backpacks for yeah, PT. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> Jeremiah could fill you in on it. He's a uh, he's a, he's a big fan of of the Gonex. I think you got to be a pretty big deal to get their stuff, though. I tell you, you've got to. You've got to. <laughs> you can buy it on Amazon at a yeah. premium discount. I'm pretty <laughs> at sure. a premium of like a hundred and two dollars for a fifty Ooh. liter backpack. So look at look at the. The Pizza Ninjas question. Mm-hmm. And I missed the poop questions. Is it poop time? Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Let, let's ask. Mm-hmm. Dan, what is the worst poop story you have of being on the trail? Oh, the most horrible thing that happened to you having to do with poop? Uh, one that was definitely horrible was when I was on the PCT. We were like camping one night and there was like a good spot to make a tent pad and it was perfect. And there was just like, I should have seen it coming, but there was like a little pile of leaves where I was going to pitch my tent. And, and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to even out the ground here for like a nice flat tent surface. So I took my like inflated sleeping pad and I don't know what I was thinking, but anyways, I just like went to like scrape the ground to like level out this leaf pile and someone had just tossed a few leaves on top of a, a poop they took oh, right there. Oh, that's awful. And, uh, and so I just smeared it like right down my sleeping pad. <laughs> and you're just like, oh. seriously? Oh. <laughs> like, because like the, there's not that enough sleeping spots on the PCT relative to people. So for like someone to take, take a poop, like right where like is the obvious camp spot sucked, but to get it all over my like sleeping pad was like, not cool. Uh, how long did it take is... for that smell to go away? Uh, the I don't know. The actual event is very seared in my memory because it was so traumatic. But the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the aftermath isn't quite in there as vividly. Yeah. Wow, that's awful, man. So for PCT, you know, you got the desert section stuff. Do you pretty much have to find like a big rock and go poop behind it? I like the big rocks, like flip one over and poop under it or something like that. Um, tends no, to be I'm, a little I'm quicker talking, than digging. No, privacy-wise. Oh. How does the privacy work? Oh, yeah. Okay, so one time we're on the PCT and we're going and my wife's T's in front. And I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm going to just like deke off and go to the bathroom. And so I like run down slope and there's like nothing for privacy. It was just kind of a bit of like a, a roll on a hill. So I was kind of outside of the trail. But it was just like open grass fields. <laughs> and so anyways, I like start doing my business. I'm going there. And what I didn't realize is the trail just had a big switchback. So I'm like there and the trail just went over and then cut back under. <laughs> and I didn't notice, but I was like six feet above like where the trail goes. <laughs> so then I was like sitting there and then my wife's just like, you know, just getting started. And it, you know, trousers down, and then she just comes like wa- rocking around the corner, and I'm just like wide in the open. Just kind of like, <laughs> That's awesome. The PCT is hard for that for sure. Oh, uh, Justin Outdoors wow. made this statement. I have to put this in there. He goes, "This is my first time seeing the Dan Durston Mad Scientist Crazy Eyes Excitement live, and it's awesome." So, <laughs> thanks. thanks, Justin. Just gotta throw that out there. So here, here's the thing with. I think everybody has a poop story. Mm-hmm. When was, were there any moments where you had an awkward poop moment, but it wasn't awkward for you as much as it was for the other person? Uh, like when you don't poop and then things get a little smelly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, elaborate, please. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes if you're holding it, things can get a little fragrant back there, and it's good to just let her go. Yeah. Um, uh, other than that, it's, um, it's hard to think of a story where it's more awkward for someone else. Do you guys have a good story on this? Uh. 
I have a, a poop story. I don't remember if I've told it on this podcast before. It wasn't me. It was um, one of my buddy's uncle. He he was like, uh, he was basically squirrel hunting. And in Kentucky, there's a place called Land Between the Lakes. And you can kind of walk the bike pass and squirrel hunt while you're on them. You got to like buy a permit and stuff to hunt there. And With guns and stuff do, in the park. Yeah, yeah. Just like right between the two trails. <laughs> well, on the trail, yeah. You're okay. basically using a 12-gauge shotgun and shooting squirrels out of off tree limbs. It's this Kentucky, is... bro. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it sounds like America. It is. <laughs> 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 so anyway, he had to poop. And forgive me if you've already heard this story. I'm sorry, but I'm going to repeat it. No, I haven't. <laughs> well, the audience. So they, uh, yeah, Paducah, Kentucky, see? Natural state backpacking does. So he went off trail to do his business, and uh, it was quite the emergency, so he didn't make it far off trail. And uh, he just had to kind of drop trowel and, and go and, and hope that nobody came by. And uh, he said a bicyclist came by and passed him up and never even knew he was there. And then a second bicyclist passed him up, didn't even see him, quiet as a mouse. And then the third bicyclist, also part of this group, comes by and then from a distance they lock eyes and make full eye contact as he's doing his business you know dropping from behind <laughs> till the biker passes and i guess rides off into the sunset oh that's embarrassing okay <laughs> so for me i was i was on mount kilimanjaro when this happened mm. and i was able to hold it every day through the hike until we got back to camp because they, they brought privies to all the camps. So I was like, why go on the trail when I know at the end of the day, I can always go. Mm-hmm. Now, this granted, this is the first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where this is like funny. 14 to 15,000 feet. Yeah, this is up. And yeah. uh, well, it was also my first time doing anything like this. So yeah, I had weird. no no real knowledge of anything. But uh, so I'm up there and I, I feel it. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to hold this. I'm going to hold this. And the way it works at, in Kilimanjaro is as you get to each camp, you have to sign in. And basically they uh, they send your name back to your family to let you know that let them know that you made it to camp. So, you know, great. So uh, I, I didn't sign in. I was heading straight <laughs> to camp. and I was like, I'll go back and sign in after I get to that that privy. I can't get my pants down fast enough. Yeah. And it catches like the back six inches of my pants before I get them pulled down. Oh, and, John. and I finally get them down and finish off. And so I'm, I'm in there and I'm taking forever. Cause I'm taking hand sanitizer that's in there and toilet paper. And I'm trying to scrub this stuff off and clean it up and get the smell out. And I feel like oh. I've done a great job. I feel like I've done a great job. And so I went over, I signed in and it, because I took so long, it was time for dinner. So I didn't have time to go back to my tent and then go to dinner. I just went straight to the dinner tent. <laughs> Everybody was really polite. Yeah. Except for one friend. And <laughs> he comes to me afterwards and he goes, dude, did you crap your pants? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Uh, maybe he goes, dude, everybody could smell it, man. It smelled awful. <laughs> so basically I ruined everybody's dinner that night. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, I definitely have a story about being very awkward from that. So yeah, altitude gets weird. I altitude remember our, weird. our first time up Mount Whitney, we were just like, we hadn't been that high either. And they're like, Oh, you need like the, the wag bags. And it's like, Oh yeah, one's good. We're good with one. Like, Never going to need more than one of those. <laughs> then you get up there and <laughs> everything changes. The plumbing starts working and you're trying to get as much mileage as you can out of that bag. Yeah. Lack of oxygen means open bowels. Like, I don't know what it is, but that's just how it works. Yeah. Totally. That sounds, I, I like to play the don't poop in the woods game. Have you ever played Dan? Uh, no. Is that you don't poop in the woods? Exactly right, buddy. You nailed it. <laughs> You have a competition <laughs> with a buddy, and basically your job is to not poop in the woods. Now, privies don't count, so okay. I made it the entire long trail without having to dig a cat hole and poop because there's either a porter or there's a privy at every shelter, or we were in town. 
that's my go-to man yeah that's amazing you should get that on a plaque or something (laughs) there's like the fkt and then there's like uh, the fkp like the fewest known (laughs) we we've been thinking about coming up with a t-shirt design we may that may be our t-shirt design the fkp (laughs) we're gonna have to remember that that's really good uh, wow. we got some great comments in here. Uh, real friends will tell you if you smell like your guts. Um, somebody asked me is if, if crappy pants became my trail name. Um, and Mr. Backpacking with Pooh. And then and then Justin Outdoors says that Jeremiah needs an emodium sponsorship. Yeah. So oh, it just keeps coming. Like Jake the FKP, and then we got John Skidmark Kelly. That that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> See, here's the thing when you have one of these channels that you just got to like, if you're going to tell these stories, you better be ready for it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. You guys have found your niche. You just got, you just got, you got to, <laughs> oh, you got to be ready. We'll have to send in some royalties on the, the t-shirts, bro. That is such yeah. a good idea. The yeah. MKP. Yeah. Well, well the, we're, the we are, podcast. <laughs> well, well, we are 57 minutes into this which means we need to give you the opportunity to kind of let people know how they can find you online, uh, how they can learn more about what you're doing. Um, definitely purchase some of your gear. Um, why don't you just let people know how they can find you? Yeah. So I have a website, durstengear.com, and that is got all the stuff I sell and what's coming up. The big thing I'm doing now is the pro X mid, which is like going to be DCF and high end. And that's actually me taking out, uh, so just like that, but O N. Uh, yeah, that's why I just realized that when it came up there, it was the wrong <laughs> yeah. word. If you, yeah. Anyways, there it is. Nailed it. Um, so the pro tent is like a big deal for me because I'm like literally like spending my life savings to do a production run of these tents. So uh, I got to sell them basically. Um, so people can check out. There's not much info yet, but you can sign up for a mailing list and get updates on that. And there's going to be a presale in the fall. And then people can follow on Instagram too, Durston Gear. It's just at Durston Gear. And that is kind of what's happening and cool pictures and all that kind of Instagram good stuff. So those are like the mailing list and the Instagram are the main ways people can plug in um, and kind of see what cool stuff's in the works. And there is a lot of stuff in the works. Like we have a ton of stuff in the works right now. So it's a ton of work, but it's going to be cool like when it's out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, man, uh, Jeremiah, do you have any more questions for Dan before uh, we shoot him into the green room? Well, hopefully we didn't embarrass you too much. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. That was great. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, it's It's been awesome having you on here. If you can hang out in the green room for just a couple minutes, uh, we're going to close things out, but we want to come back and chat with you for just a minute. So if you can hang cool. out, that'd be great. There it is, Jeremiah. Another great guest. Another one. Another one. We, It's great because we're such morons, and we get these great guests on here, so they make us look so much better than we actually are. That's pretty yeah. sweet. Sometimes That's I wonder how heavy I am. <laughs> I'm always jumping on their back, bro, and they're carrying me. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, Jeremiah, next week, um, let, me, let me look at our schedule here. Do we have someone lined up for next week's show? I or, think we're lining out the details with our next guest, but uh, the following week, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say the following week, uh, the 24th, we've got Lloyd Vogel from Garage Grown Gear, who is going to be on the show. So we're really excited to have Lloyd on here. And the week after that, we're actually going to be doing that on a Tuesday night instead of a Monday night. That is Memorial Day weekend, and Jeremiah has big Memorial Day plans, and he's going to mm-hmm. be out of town. And so it's the last live stream before summer hits and we'll be back with the live streams again in august um but to say thank you for all of you guys who have been tuning in so much and being a part of this with us we are giving away stuff from like five or six maybe seven different companies have chipped in so that we can do some giveaways just to say thank you so much for being a part of this this channel has grown like crazy and we are just overwhelmed by how awesome you guys are and so we want to say thank you to you guys yes and huge shout out to the companies we'll give you all the details very very soon of uh, how the giveaway is going to work and and how you enter and the stuff that you can win but thank you all so much for for everything for all the support and you know giving us a platform we can talk to these great guests and you can interact with them awesome 
Definitely, definitely. And uh, definitely looking forward to uh, the next time Jeremiah goes out with another piece of Gonex gear. So, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah, thank you so much for uh, <laughs> being here with me again tonight. I can't, I can't imagine doing this without you, man. It's been a blast. Um, you got anything else you want to say before we close this thing out? I'm always up for a good time, man. There it this is. This is great. There it is. Well, everybody have a great night. Thank you so much. We'll catch you on the next one. Adios, folks. <laughs>